Welcome to the podcast of Life Church in Houston, Texas. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope that this message inspires your week, builds your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. All right, the good fight, 1 Timothy chapter number six. I want to read to you the scripture and then we're just going to jump into this. And I just pray that after this message, you're encouraged, you're strengthened, and you're just reminded that you have what it takes because of who you're with. First Timothy chapter six, but you man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness, and then fight the good fight of faith. Everybody say the good fight. Taking hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Jesus, in your name, we're so grateful. We're so thankful to be a part of your kingdom, to be a part of what you're doing in the earth today. God, I, I just pray that after today that we would feel your strength, that we would feel your guidance, and we would realize that you are fighting our battles for us. God, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. So let's just get something straight from the get-go here this morning, July 4th, 2021. You are in a fight. Whether you want to admit it or not, whether you realize it or not, whether you want to join the fight or not, does not change the fact that you're in a fight. But it might change the outcome of the fight because you cannot win a fight without admitting that there is a fight. You cannot win the fight without joining the fight, but most of all, you cannot win the fight for your identity if you don't know who you are supposed to be. And today on this Independence Day 2021, on this July 4th, I believe that God wants to remind us of our freedom in him. He wants to remind us of our capabilities in him, but most of all, God wants to remind us of who we are called to be. You see, only the one that created you can shape your identity. Only the one who made you can tell you who you are. And the one that made you said this, before you were born, I knew you. David said in Psalms chapter 139, you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. You see, only the one who made you can tell you who you are. Today, I want to know who I am I, I want to be the best version of myself. I want to be a real Christian. I want to be a real person. Now, some of you may know this about me, and this is who I truly am. This is who I really am. I'm at home, so I'm going to be exactly who I am. I love shoes. I, I, I love Jordan shoes. I, I love off-white shoes. Any, any off-white fans in the house? I see Elvin in the back just raising his hand. I just felt that agreement in the house. I, I think it's because I grew up playing basketball and I, and I enjoy being nostalgic. I enjoy remembering how good I, I used to be and it's funny how much I, I, I'm getting better with age and, and how I was in high school. But, but I enjoy wearing these shoes because it just reminds me of a, of a better time sometimes because I got to play basketball and do some things that 
I love, but I, I, I love shoes. And this recently happened to me. I, I saved up some money, uh, you know, privately, secretly, stashed it away, um, you know. And, I, you know, I feel like sometimes this is the women's role, but I, I have embraced this role a little bit. I, I've learned that there's a trick, you know, to buying new things without my wife knowing I buy it. And then I have the self-discipline for six months not to touch it. And the first time I wear it, she's like, you have new shoes? I'm like, absolutely not. I've had these for six months. What are you... This was one of those occasions, and I bought some brand new shoes. I was so proud of them. I was so excited for them. And, you know, as a youth pastor, you, you got to have something cool to, to relate to the kids. And that's the beautiful thing about reaching the next generation. We have a license to be immature and buy cool shoes, you know. <laughs> if I was 37 and was a youth pastor, you know, I'd have to be talking about my stocks and bonds and driving a big truck and, you know, being real responsible. I actually have to do all that too, but I disguise it with immaturity. And, um... So I bought these shoes, had these shoes, wore them for the first time, and, and I'll never forget, I was so proud of them, no one even knew what they were, no one even cared, no one even cared what they were, but they were cool to me, and so I just hoped someone would notice, and I'll never forget standing there with a group of friends, and this lady walked up to me. What I didn't know is that someone had put her up to this, but I'll never forget, standing there with all my friends, really proud, acting like an 18-year-old kid when I'm 36, and she walks up to me, and she's like, I, I like your shoes. I was like... Thanks for noticing. All right, I appreciate it. She said, but, but are they real? I was like, get out, get, get, get out. Don't ever, you never. Well, I didn't know somebody had asked her to do this. What she doesn't know is for the last, well, I'd say five years, I've traveled to the Philippines. Anybody go to Ima's home? Anybody been to Ima's home? Anybody a fan of Ima's home? Woo. Jeannie, Jeannie just walked in the back, right, waving her hands and... I've discovered a Mecca for shoes on my way to the Philippines. And it's this place in Manila. It's a place I'm going to tell you about. It's called Green Hills. And I don't know how I stumbled upon this place, but I stumbled into this mall one day. And as far as the eye could see, there was Jordans, there was Yeezys, there was Off-White. I thought I had walked into heaven. It was absolutely incredible. I wasn't sure if they were real or not. I mean, they were only $20, so they had to, you know, I, I, they looked real. And <laughs> I'm admitting here today publicly in front of everyone, I may or may not have some fakes sprinkled into my real shoes. That was hard to admit, but just know that I've got some. I've learned that if you can put enough fakes with the reals, nobody knows the difference. Amen. But here's what I've learned about shoes. When there's a demand for the real thing, it always creates a fake market. Whether you know this or not, fake shoes are a billion dollar industry. You see, in the pursuit and desire for the real, the fakes are much more appealing because it lacks the cost of the real thing. You don't have to pay the same cost. You don't have to pay the same price to get what looks like it's real. Can I tell you today, in a world of fakes, I want the real thing. In a world of fakes, I want the real stuff. In a world of fakes, I want a real God. In a world of fakes, I want a real church. I want to be a real Christian, and I really want to know who I am so I can know what I can do. Amen. I want to tell you today that you are a designer's original. 
You are not a cheap knockoff. You are not a fake. You are not a replica. You are not designed to be somebody else, but you are an original designed and created by God. And here's the thing about these knockoff shoes. They have the right design, just not made from the right material. And the enemy loves to present the right image, but it's made from the wrong stuff. It's made from the wrong motive. It's made from the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eye and the pride of life. But I'm here to tell you this morning that you are made from the right stuff. Amen. The enemy wants to convince you to be somebody that you're not, but Jesus wants to convince you to be somebody who you already are. And here's who you are. You are his child. You are his son. You are his daughter. You are his. You were created by greatness and for greatness. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a city set on a hill. Come on today. Does somebody believe that they are great because their daddy is great? You know, I, I just grew up believing in myself for one reason, because my parents believed in me. My dad believed in me. My mom is in the house. I give so much honor to her today. My dad is gone and my dad gets a lot of credit, but she's in the house and she did a lot of the raising. And I just want to say thank you, mom, wherever you're at. I love you. There you are. Isn't my mom beautiful? My parents and my, my dad taught me to walk with confidence and humility. They taught me to never be intimidated, but to always be respectful. He told me not to be afraid to be myself. And that in a world of fakes and in a world of copycats, I might actually have to fight to stay true to who I am. He, he taught me to walk in purpose and on purpose. And guess what? I believed him. Why? Because we have to receive our identity from a source that is credible. And that is why today we cannot get our identity from social media or from media or from culture or from a boss or from a friend or from a political party. Amen. Come on, somebody. You have to receive your identity from the one that made you. And I think a problem for many in this generation and let me just say this right here, every generation has its struggle. Every generation has its problems. So before I criticize this generation, just know that no generation is perfect. And we've handed some major problems to this generation, but a major problem in this generation is that there is a fight for their identity right now. And yet many don't realize that we actually have to fight the good fight of faith to be who we are supposed to be. It takes a fight, it takes a struggle. Man, and it's not a fight to do what you're supposed to do. It's a fight to be who you're supposed to be. You see, you're not a human doing, you're a human being. And when you're the person that you're called to be, you're gonna do what you are called to do. Truthfully, a fight in my life and a fight and a struggle for me was that for many years of my life, I wanted to do and I wasn't interested in who I was becoming. But I didn't realize that when I focused on who I was becoming, I began to do what I was called to do. Because today, even though we were created by God and for God, we actually have to fight the good fight of faith to be who God has designed us to be. We have to fight to keep what's on the outside from destroying what's on the inside. Paul said this in Romans. Paul said that we should do everything that we can to live in peace with everyone. 
And peace comes from realizing that the conditions on the outside cannot change the conditions that are on the inside. But we all know today that without a fight, there is no peace. And without peace, there is always a fight. So what fight do you want to fight here today? A fight for peace or a fight because there is no peace? And I've realized and I've learned in life that people without peace in their life are always fighting, but also people that are with peace are always fighting. The question is, what fight do you want to fight here today? Because make no mistake about it. On July 4th, 2021, you're in a fight. You're in a struggle. You're in a battle. There's a fight to be fought. There's a battle to be won. There's a war to be waged. But the fight that I'm talking about here today, it's not a fight with the world. Some of you, based, you know, based on your Facebook post right now, like I know that you're not sure if you agree with that. You think the world is your is your fight. You think the world is your battle. The world is your struggle. John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said this, take heart. I've already overcome the world. Newsflash. <laughs> the world isn't your problem. But the fight that I'm talking about here today, it's actually not with other people. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28 says, don't be bluffed into silence by the threat of bullies because there is nothing they can do to your soul. Don't be afraid of who can kill the body. Be afraid of who can take the soul. And the fight that I'm talking about today is not with the world, it's not with people, and it's not even with the enemy of our soul. Colossians chapter 2 verse 15 says when Jesus died on the cross, he disarmed the powers and authorities and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them and making us victorious in all aspects. The devil is not your problem. The enemy is not your Can I tell you right now? I don't know what you believe. I don't know what you know, but you've got power over the enemy in your life. There's nothing that he can bring to you that can take you down. Okay. So if the battle isn't the world, and it's not people, and it's not the enemy, where's our fight? Oh man, I told you I was bringing an encouraging message, but I just got bad news for you. Um, I'm just gonna say it, the fight's you. The fight's me. The fight is against ourselves. It's against our flesh. Galatians chapter five, verse 17 says that the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict or in war or in battle with one another. There is one thing standing between you and the person that you want to be and it's you. <laughs> there is one thing standing between you and who you want to become and it's your flesh, it's your feelings, it's your desires. If you're new to church and you're not sure necessarily what that means, our flesh, it's our will, it's what we want, it's our desires, it's our emotions and feelings. And today I'm not here to dismiss what you feel. I'm not here to dismiss your emotions. Because while our feelings are real, they're 100% real, it doesn't mean that they are reality. And so many times I see so many young people, I so, see so many people that come to church and they follow their feelings. They, they, they come to church based on how they feel, but the truth is if our feelings were a boyfriend or a girlfriend, we would have broke up with them a long time ago. 
They're not dependable. They lie to you. They tear you down. They tear other people down. They are insecure. If one thing goes wrong, they're upset. They're mad. And if you trust your flesh, if you trust your feelings, if you trust your emotions, it will ruin your day, mess up your week, and possibly even destroy your life. And that's why this morning we have to trust the truth of God's word over how we feel and what we want. And many of us in 2021 have been fighting blindly. We've been punching. Anybody feel like that in 2020 and 2021? You're, you're constantly fighting. You're constantly battling. But, you, but you're fighting against an enemy that you cannot see because the real enemy is when you look in the mirror. It's you. And here's what I've learned in my life. We just sang that song, but God will fight my battles for me. And we sing about it and we love it. He's going before us. He he, he fights our battles for us, but there is one person he won't fight. That's me. He'll fight my battles, but he won't fight me. For many of us, when we come to this realization, okay, I'm, all right. So it's not, it's not the culture. It's not the government. Oh, it's not the people around me. Oh, okay, it might be me. I might, <laughs> it might be my heart. It might be what's going on in my spirit. It might be me. When we, when we come to this realization, we still justify our own actions and dysfunction and even sin by saying this one thing, well, at least I'm not them. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got some bad habits. I like Taco Bell at 2 a.m. You know, I've got some things that, you know, I'm, I'm not proud of. I've got some things that I, that I struggle with, but yeah, I've got this problem, but at least I didn't do what they did. I, I've got some issues. Yeah, I've got some problems. You know what? I might be part of the problem, but at least I didn't do what they did. At least I'm not them. What you don't realize and what many people don't know that when you go to change and people criticize you, it's because you were their holdout. You were the standard for them saying, well, at least I'm not them. They don't want you to change because it challenges them. So here's what I encourage you to do. Embrace the war, go to battle, not with them, but with yourself. It's like Joseph in the Old Testament. He has a dream that he got from God. This this isn't a, a dream after bad pizza. This is a dream that he got from God. This is a God thing. This is destiny. But his brothers just didn't understand. And while some people will not understand, while some people don't understand, you need to understand that without the good fight of faith, you will never be the person that God has created you to be. This dream, this destiny, this calling, it always comes with a struggle. It always comes with a fight. It always comes with a battle. But can I encourage you today? You are going to win the fight. All right, I'm, I'm gonna give you four points for how you can overcome this fight. Anybody ready for the four points? All right, we're, we're coming fast. If you're taking notes, point number one is this. You've gotta stir it up. You know, I love Christmas. Christmas is my favorite time of year. In fact, I love it so much, I'm talking about it on July 4th. I love Christmas. It, my birthday's September 14th, and uh, I, I just would be okay if we put up the Christmas tree and the lights in September. I'd be fine with it. Just skip on right past Halloween and Thanksgiving, and we are all Christmas. And I learned a lesson, though, last year. I'm all about Christmas, and I went all out to buy my kids and help them have the best Christmas ever. We were buying gifts. We were buying things. And Amy was like, okay, we're done. We're done with the gifts. And I was like, absolutely. Yeah, we're finished. No more 
gifts and I'm like sneaking off, like buying more stuff. I just wanted to be piled up high. I wanted to have the best Christmas ever. After about 30 minutes on Christmas morning, uh, all the money that we had spent, all the presents that we had opened were nowhere to be found. I was asking the, the boys who are here in the house, God bless them, amen, because we know that we got those gifts from Santa, but I was just wondering where the gifts were. Well, it was under the bed and it was in the yard and all those gifts, all the money that we had, <laughs> that Santa had given us, amen, um, they weren't playing with the gift. What good is the gift if you don't actually use it? Second Timothy chapter number one says, when I call to remember it's the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Paul was saying right here, you have to stir up the gift that God has given you. If you want to fight the good fight of faith, you have to stir up the gift that is in you. If there is breath in your body, there is a gift in you. There is a calling on you. There is a purpose for you. I was, I was talking to a friend the other day and we were talking about, you know, just pursuing what God has for us. And I'm thankful for friends that encourage you. If you don't have a friend that encourages you, you need somebody. And I was just telling him, man, I want to do this, but it seems like everybody's doing this right now. Like everybody's doing it. And my friend literally rebuked me. He was like, oh, so if there's preachers already, like there's no need for you to preach. Like, like if somebody's already wrote a book, why would you write a book? If somebody's already doing a podcast, what, what, what's the point? Like, if somebody's already started a business, I mean, you can't. And he was sarcastically mocking me, saying it doesn't matter what anybody else does. You've got to keep stirring up the gift that is in you. And here's what I've learned in life. The truth is it's easier to live a life of safety than it is to stir up the gift that is in you. These words stir up in the Greek refer to the coals of a fire that are dying out. And there's a lot of people in 2021 that after COVID and everything going on in the world, they are losing the fire that is in them because they stop stirring up the gift. I can think of people right now in my mind that were on fire that we're serving, that we're helping, that we're loving, that we're giving. But at some point along the way, they didn't stop having a gift. They stopped stirring up the gift that was in them. They stopped stoking the fire of the gift. Amen. Anybody, anybody ever been to Golden Corral? I feel like that question is like, anybody dealing with some big sin in their life? It's like, nope, nope, not me. I've never, I don't know what you're... I used to love going to Golden Corral because of one thing and one thing only, the carb section. Come on, somebody. That was the section, if you don't know what that is, is the section as a kid, you ate freely. There was no guilt. There was no shame. Now when you walk by, you're like, I should not do this, but you don't. You still eat the macaroni and cheese that you... But going to Golden Corral and seeing that mac and cheese, I learned this. If nobody has been in the line for a while... <clears throat> and you go to the mac and cheese. That, I don't know what this is. I, I, I actually don't know what this stuff I'd love for any scientists in the room to tell. It's this thin film that's sitting on top of the mac and cheese. Like it's just sitting there and you've got to take that big old scooper and you've got you to stir it up and then you've got to come from the bottom and get that mac and cheese. And <laughs> I 
just because you have a gift doesn't mean you have it stirred up. If you don't stir up the gift that God has given you, guess what? It gets cold, it gets stagnant, and quite frankly, it gets nasty. Come on in the middle of 2021. Can I encourage you to stir up the gift, to stir up your faith, to stir up your imagination, to start dreaming again, to start hoping again, to start believing again for God to stir up that thing inside of you. You know why we go to church? To stir up the gift. You know why we push small groups? To stir up the gift. You know why we have worship nights and Bible studies and try to get together? To stir up the gift of God that is in us. Our problem is not that we don't have a gift, it's that we don't stir it up. And Paul knows about this. Paul was an atheist killing Christians and he's blinded in the book of Acts. And he has a friend that comes to him and lays hands on him. And the Bible says that he receives his sight and he also receives the gift of the Holy Spirit. A lot of us need to understand that the gift that is on us can only be stirred up through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can't get this gift just anywhere. You can't get this gift at Almeida Mall. And I miss Almeida Mall so much because they had some great shoes. I'm just saying, I don't know where they got them, but they had great shoes. You can't get this gift just anywhere. When you receive his spirit is when you receive the gift that he wants to give you. Maybe you're new to church or you're new to Christianity, but can I encourage you today? The Holy Spirit is for you. It is fuel for the fight and it's strength for the journey. And if you feel like you're lacking, if you feel like you're not enough, I just encourage you to embrace the power of the Holy Spirit. It's fuel for the fight. It's strength for the journey. And the Holy Spirit will stir up the gift that is in you. The Holy Spirit is for you and the Bible says it will help you. Okay, so point number one is you gotta stir it up. Point number two is you gotta step up. You're gonna get a theme here in just a moment. <laughs> Second Timothy, the same scripture that I just read before, when I call to remember it's the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift that is in you. Today, I'm so thankful that my mom is here. I'm so thankful that my wife's parents are here. I'm so thankful today for my parents that instilled in me not a love for doctrine or a love for religion, but they put in me a faith in Jesus. If you are here today because your parents you should thank them. You should send them a text and say, thank you for bringing me to church when you were tired, when, when you didn't feel like doing it. When, you, when, when your people, they didn't have your back. When you didn't feel like showing to church, you, you, you showed up to church and you brought me to church. You should thank them. I've been in so many rooms with youth pastors and young adults, uh, young adult pastors, like they, they mean well. Like, like their hearts in the great place, they have good intentions, but they say things like this, like, you know, you need, you need faith in Jesus for yourself and it's not about what your parents are doing. And I, I, I'm thankful, <laughs> they're right. But if your parents didn't bring them, like we wouldn't have anybody at youth service. Like I'm thankful that, that your parents brought you. I'm thankful that my parents made me go to church because they put in me a love for Jesus. Maybe... You're here today and your parents didn't bring you. Maybe you're here today and your, your parents didn't get it right. Guess what, you can. Maybe your parents didn't show you the way but you can show your kids the way. 
Can I encourage you, if you are a first generation believer, you are setting your family up for future blessings, for future benefits by choosing faith over fear. Because here's what Paul was saying to to Timothy. He was saying this, your mom had faith, your grandmother had faith, but guess what? It is not about them anymore. It is your turn to step up. It is your time to step up. And some of you are here today and you know about stepping up because you had to step up when someone else stepped out. Maybe you're here today and your dad stepped out on you. Maybe you're here today and your, your mom stepped out on you. Maybe you were in a relationship that you put your trust in and someone stepped out on you and you know what it means to have to step up. I wanna encourage you right now that while many are stepping out in 2021, that this is your opportunity to step up and be a part of what God is doing in the earth today. Paul was stepping out. Paul was saying, hey, I'm not doing this forever. It's your turn to step up, Timothy. He was encouraging Timothy. And can I tell you this? Some great people have been here. Some have been at this church, have been in this house, some amazing people. And I'm so thankful. Man, what a generation or what a church of legacy. Man, what amazing memories. If you've been at this church for, for a long enough time, you've heard the stories, the stories of faith, some incredible stories. And I'm so thankful but it's not their time anymore. It is your time and it is your turn to step up. I have this in all caps in my notes, but please, please, please don't look at what you're doing right now as insignificant or unimportant or not valuable. Maybe some of you feel like I'm just doing this because nobody else is doing it. Can I tell you that is the best reason to do something? You're seeing a need and you're meeting it. God is preparing you in these seasons. God is calling you. There is nothing that you do for the kingdom of God that is insignificant or not important. God is helping you. He is guiding you so that when someone else steps out, guess what? It is your turn to step up. So thankful. I honor the legacy of this house. What an honor. It will always be an honor in my life to stand on this stage and get to speak to this house because I know the people that have gone on before me and I'm thankful for the impact that they had in the city of Houston. But I know this, every one of them, they did amazing things, but it's not their turn anymore. It is your turn to step up. It is your turn to pray. It is your turn to fast. It is your turn to be faithful. It is your turn to bring kids to the house of God. It's your turn to lead a small group. It's your turn. Nobody else is coming. It's your turn. It's your turn to step up. It's your turn to be a part of what God is doing. We aren't waiting for someone else. We aren't waiting for the right moment. We aren't waiting for the right song. Although when I came out of that grave, it hit so hard. <laughs> That's the right song for me. But we're not waiting for the right song or the right sermon or the right preacher. We aren't waiting for another church. We are the church. We aren't waiting for someone else to preach the gospel. The Bible says this, you are the gospel. We are epistles known and read of all men. Stop waiting for someone to preach you the gospel and go be the gospel. My my oldest son is in the house and man, I love these boys so much. And if you don't know that, just look at my social media. You'll get wore out real quick, but I love my boys so much. And every time I would leave the house, I would tell Brady, I was like, hey, dude, um, you're in charge, you know, while I'm gone. I mean, other than mom, of course, you know, but, you, but you're in charge. 
He's like, Dad, I'm in charge. I'm like, yep, you're in charge. Well, he started school. He just finished his first year of kindergarten. Man, he owned school. He rocked it. Oh, he was awesome. Man, I love that kid. <laughs> I would go pick him up every day, and he had his mask on, and like it was no big deal, and just like walking through life. They don't know what's going on. They're just loving life, loving teachers, loving their friends. And... But when he would leave for school, I had to turn around and tell Dean, my middle son, hey, Brady's, he's going to school. So guess what that means? He's like, he was already ready. I'm in charge. That means I'm in, like, Dean, that means you're in charge. He's like, yeah, I can tell Houston. I'm like, no, being in charge means that you serve, but that's a sermon for another time. But Brady's stepping out. It was Dean's turn to step up. So we got to stir up. We got to step up. And number three, we got to speak up. Anybody love Freedom Weekend here at Life Church? Anybody a fan of Freedom? I love freedom so much and I love freedom weekend. But one of the things that if, if you haven't been through freedom, man, sign up this semester. It's going to be incredible. Freedom weekend is going to be amazing. It's going to change your life, whether you know it or not. Just know this right now. I'm under hyping it. No matter what I could say, it's going to blow your mind. It's going to be incredible. Don't miss it. Shameless plug. I'm a fan of freedom. But one of the things that I love the most is at the end of each session, and at the end of each session in freedom, after we've prayed and cried and repented, we get to do something that's so much fun. We get to declare some things. And here's what I've learned through freedom. There are moments in your life where you've got to step up, you've got to stir up, but then you've got to speak up. Sometimes it's speaking up to let your friends know. Sometimes it's speaking up to let the enemy know. But most of all, it's speaking up to let yourself know. And these are the things that I'm speaking up. I wrote this down at the beginning of 2021. I will not be distracted. I will not be giving myself to petty things. I'm not fighting fellow Christians. I'm not fighting against people. I'm fighting for people. And I choose today to fight the good fight of faith. And it's not so much about what I'm against, but it's about who I'm for. I'm fighting for my friends that don't know Jesus. I'm fighting for the single mom. I'm fighting for the orphan and the widow. I'm fighting for the down and out. Sometimes I just have to simply remind myself that that's what I'm for. Some of us have spent so much time telling people what we are against that they don't even know who we are for anymore. I just challenge you to post something positive on Facebook. <laughs> Quit being so negative in a negative world. Guess what? I'm not surprised when the world is negative. I'm surprised when spirit-filled, God-believing Christians start to be negative because here's what I know. Because of Jesus, I've got hope for a better life. I've got hope for a better world because of Jesus. He changed my life. And if he changed my life, I don't care who's the president. And I don't know how your 2021 has gone already, but let me just speak some things over your life. Let me just speak some things that maybe you haven't remembered or maybe you haven't heard in a while. This is the truth of God's word that we need to remind ourselves out loud every now and then, and especially in this season. God is our refuge. He is our deliverer. His mercies are new every day. His joy is our strength and his wings are our shelter. He heals our broken heart and he restores our soul. What we have sown in tears, we are gonna reap in joy. He gives me a crown of beauty instead of ashes and the oil of gladness for mourning and the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. If anybody is thankful for what they've traded in, if anybody is thankful for the garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness, I just take, just take a moment just to say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you, Jesus. 
Because when I read those things and I say them out loud, something starts to happen in my mind and in my spirit and the things that I had been troubling with or the things that had troubled me, the things that I was battling with, the things that I didn't understand and I didn't know how to figure them out. When I start to remember those things, I'm like, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be all right. Yeah, there's cultural wars going on. There's, there's unsettledness. There's things happening all over the world that I don't understand and they make me upset. But I remember he's given me an oil of gladness for mourning and the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. All right, I'm closing. So number one, you gotta stir up. Two, you gotta step up. And three, you gotta speak up. And then number four, you've got to, you gotta give up. Okay, so this is the point of the message where my wife is like, that was a great sermon. I just didn't understand the end. It doesn't really make sense. You, you preach this whole sermon about fighting the good fight of faith, stepping up, man, doing it. And your last point is you gotta give up. <laughs> Plot twist. If you wanna win this fight, you actually have to give up the fight. If you wanna fight the good fight of faith, you have to give up. If you want to win the good fight of faith, you've gotta quit. And I don't mean that you have to actually give up, but you have to give up trying to fight this fight on your own. You've gotta to fight to fight, but I don't mean that you actually have to quit, but you actually have to quit trying to do it on your own. Can I give you just a definition of sin that maybe we don't always consider? Sin is just simply this, it's just trying to do it on your own. Our pride, our anger, our lust, our fear, our inability to forgive, it just reveals the areas of our life that we are saying, I trust more in my own ability to cope than I do the grace of God. We wonder why sometimes our lives don't look different than those of unbelievers. And the reason is because we have just simply chosen a different mask. While they run to alcohol or pleasure, we run to religion. While they run to forget, we actually put our identity and our ability to do it on our own. And we wonder why going to church is not enough. <laughs> we wonder why I'm trying this, like it, it's just not working because you're actually not putting your trust in the one who made you. You're putting your trust in something that while it was a good thing and it is a good thing, it's not actually the thing to trust in. What you run to in your moments of weakness reveals where your trust is. Newsflash, everybody already knows your struggle. I know you think you're hiding it well, you're doing a good job, we know. You know what my struggle is because it's exposed through insecurity. It's exposed in our doubt and our fear. It's exposed in the way that we live our lives. So if everybody already knows your struggle and they know your battle, why don't you just learn to give that area of your life to God and learn to live in grace than trying to pretend like you've got it all figured out? Here's what I've learned in life. I can go so much further with his grace than I could ever go on my own. And the more I lean into his grace, the more I prosper and the more I try to do it on my own, well, I think you know how that goes. Today I wanna to tell you, as I preach the message about fighting the good fight of faith, it's okay to not be okay. 
It's okay to not have it all together. It's okay to have some weakness. But in your weakness, in your struggle, in your battle, don't hide that thing, but turn to him in weakness. Turn to him in your brokenness. Because God specializes in weak people bringing to him their brokenness. God specializes in people coming to him saying, I actually can't do this on my own. I actually can't make it by myself. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 12. This just isn't my opinion. This is what the word of God says. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power, the greatness of who I am, the creator of time and space is revealed in this one thing. It's made perfect in the fact that you don't have it all together. Who he is is revealed in who we are. And guess what? We are not enough, but he is. Paul said, therefore, I'm going to brag. I'm going to be proud. I'm going to boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may be revealed. You will never see the strength of God until you admit your weakness. People that you love to have it all together, I'm thankful you're amazing, you're incredible, but you're not enough. You'll never see the strength of who he is. You'll never see the strength of what he can do while you try to do it on your own and by yourself. Because the truth is today, the enemy of your soul the enemy that has no power over you. Here's what he loves to do though. He loves to use the thing that you struggle with, your weakness. He loves to use that thing to destroy you, but it's the exact same thing that God wants to use to build you. So today, allow God to use your weakness to show you his strength instead of allowing the enemy to use your weakness against you. So I'll stand. I love getting to tell my story. And I tell this story for one reason to point it to Jesus. But I'll never forget, I went to a freedom conference on a Friday night. And I had a struggle, I had a battle. And I, for 10 years of my life, I'm fighting this enemy that I couldn't see. I was shadow boxing and it's like I never could land a punch. I was never taking ground. I, I was never winning the fight. It was the first night of freedom and they talked about forgiveness. And if you've got any unforgiveness in your life, you go pray with somebody and you were gonna get healing for the unforgiveness in your heart. And I remember walking down and I'll never forget the feeling of telling this prayer partner who was so anointed, so designed by God. If you haven't been to freedom, those prayer partners are so spirit-led and spirit-filled. It's like they know the, the, the thing to say that you need. He said, you know, what do you need to, or who do you need to forgive? Or what are you struggling with? I said, you know, I, I feel like I need to forgive myself. I said, my dad passed away in 2003 and I, I feel like I haven't lived up to the standard that he set. I feel like I just lived in unforgiveness to myself and I was just trying to process. I didn't, I didn't really know. That's what happens sometimes in freedom. You go to, you're like, I don't know what I need. And you start talking and it comes out. 
He said, that's good. He said, but I, here's what I want you to do. I want you to forgive your dad. I was like, what? Like, I, I was actually a little bit offended, but the second he said it, tears started rolling down my face. And I, I was like, I don't know what that means. I don't have anything to forgive my dad for. He didn't do anything wrong. He was an incredible preacher, pastor, made me love life. He'd be so proud of my kids right now. He was amazing. What am I forgiving my dad for? He said something to this day I'll never forget. He said, you got to forgive your dad for leaving you at a time when you needed him the most. And those feelings of being abandoned, even though it wasn't his fault, I was battling that. I was fighting that. And for 10 years, can I tell you, I didn't deal with it. I went to church. I love God. I was putting my, tr my trust in, in, in what I thought was the right place. I was putting it in church. But what God was saying in that moment, you've been fighting a fight and a battle that was never yours to fight. You've been trying to prove to the world that you can do it without your dad, that you don't need any help, that you can do it on your own, that you can make it by yourself. And when you do that, you will never get to where you want to go. And there's a challenge in each and every one of us in our lives. When adversity comes, when we lose a loved one, when that person steps out on us, that, that there's this thing that rises up and it's, okay, no one's gonna help me. I'm gonna do it on my own. And that's the biggest trick of the enemy. That's the biggest trick of the enemy to think, to make you think that you have to do it on your own and by yourself. Can I tell you right now, God is more than enough. And I don't know what your battle is. I don't know what your struggle is, but here's what he's wanting you to do. He's wanting you to say, I actually am not enough. My resources, the family that I came from, the church that I'm a part of, my social status, my, my addiction, my dependency, all of those things will never get me to where I need to go. But it's that moment of realization. It's like, those are just substitutes. I have to have a relationship with him. And when you put your trust wholly and completely in him, he takes that brokenness, he takes that weakness, and he's just like a good dad says, I know, I know you're not enough. In fact, I made you that way so you could depend on me. Whatever God is calling you to do, whatever God is asking you to do, you don't have enough strength. You can't actually do it on your own. But here's what Jesus is saying. I've given you that calling. I've given you that gift. I've given you that purpose for one reason, to trust in me. And then all of a sudden you trust in him and you look back on your life and like, how did I get to it? That's not me. That's not my ability. And then in the day of trouble, can I tell you, your resources won't save you. Your social status won't save you. Your friends won't save you. In the day of trouble, you run to the one who's got it all in his hands. You say, Jesus, I don't know how I'm gonna get through it, but I trust in you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Jesus, I thank you. And I, I, I thank you that you are more than enough. In my, in my own ability, in my own strength, and what I think I have to offer in the gift that I have from you, the gift is not gonna be the thing that saves me, Jesus, and I know that, but I thank you for the gift and I, I choose to stir up the gift. But most importantly, God, I pray that as I bring my brokenness, as I bring my weakness to you, 
as I bring my thing to you that I've struggled with and I've battled with for years, that you would take that thing and you would turn around and you would make it a testimony for someone else who is struggling with the exact same thing. For every person that's in this room that's struggling with a divorce, God, I pray right now that you would use them to help someone else that's going through a divorce every person that's in this room that they they can't really deal with the fact that they lost that loved one that was so important to them God you allowed them to go through that for one reason to help somebody else that's going through the exact same thing God you use our weakness you use our inability to do it on our own to show your strength to show who you are to show what you can do God, in this moment right now, for every single person that's in this room that they haven't ever fully put their trust in who you are, God, I pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would reveal yourself to them, that as they put their trust in you, that they would feel your strength, that they would feel your peace, that they would feel your joy, that they would feel your love. God, I thank you for your presence that's in this room and in this house. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. If we could put our hands together and say thank you, Jesus. I think you can do better than that. Say thank you, Jesus.